We are in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. I invite you to rise in body or spirit for the reading of today's Gospel lesson. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. John, listen for the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I am them will bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers, and such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We don't really know what to do with that word abiding or to abide. It sounds old. It sounds a little bit bossy. In our fast-paced world of instant gratification and fingertip connections, what do we honestly know about abiding in something with any level of depth? We abide by traffic laws, we abide by tax laws. Tis the season, by the way, if you haven't been told. We abide by parameters of the game, shot clock, pitch clock. We abide or else we get ticketed or have a wreck or cause injury or get a nice note from the IRS. We abide by rules that help us be established as a civilization, as a society. But is that the kind of abiding Jesus has in mind? Maybe. Maybe there's a little more. Why did he use this image for abiding? You'll recall, if you look just a chapter before chapter 15, you'll note that Jesus did something really holy and special. He had a final meal with his disciples, during which he did something really odd. He took off his outer garment, and he took a towel and a basin, and he began washing the worn, callous, dirty feet of his disciples. And he said, when he had finished washing the feet of his disciples, he said, by this act, the world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, if you show love, if you be love for one another, People will know that you're my disciples. It was from that meal, from that intimate holy setting in the upper room, that Jesus and his disciples arose. They walked down and across the Kidron Valley. They walked up to the Mount of Olives to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. In just a few short hours, he went from that holy experience to being betrayed, and somewhere along the way, he taught this final lesson. I envisioned that he said, look, guys, you see, 
You see where all of these grapes are growing in this vineyard. I am the vine. And you are the branches. If you stay connected with me and with one another, you will bear amazing fruit. Amazing fruit. What makes for a healthy vineyard? As we mentioned last week, we, we don't really know what it means to be shepherds. Um, we have to do some of our homework to figure that out. What does it mean to be one who attends to a vineyard? Maybe we get close with some of the spring flowers and the prunings and, and, the, and the plantings that are happening now. Spring has sprung. Hopefully the pollen's behind us for a while. We have some rose bushes in our front yard, and I don't have the heart to prune them. They're too beautiful, <laughs> but they're growing up entirely too tall. And I know that the best thing that I can do is to prune those rose bushes. And it makes me think that there's really three times that pruning is necessary. Now, I don't have a green thumb. More often than not, I have a black thumb. I didn't inherit that from my father. I don't have a green thumb. I have a black thumb. I'm getting better at it because I'm realizing that there's something holy about attending to planting and growing new things as a spiritual act and discipline. So there's three times that one would prune a, a rose bush, for example. If there's dead branches on there, those need to be snipped away so that bush can blossom. If there are underproducing branches on that rose bush, they need to be snipped away as well so that the other branches can produce. And then if that rose bush is overproducing on one branch, those need to be snipped and shared with others. So dead branches, underproducing branches, overproducing branches. It requires a lot of attention, doesn't it? One has to keep a close eye on the fruitfulness of that bush to know when it needs pruning when it needs to be let go, to be what it was created to be. You may have resonating in your mind a book that Henry Cloud wrote. It's called Necessary Endings. He uses this, this rose bush to talk about organizations and when to prune and, and scale back so that the organization can be the most fruitful that it can. I have thought about that time and again as a Lenten discipline, that something needs to be pruned in my life so that I can be the fruit-bearing disciple that God has called me to be. We all need to prune away areas of our lives. That's what we're doing during Lent. What do you have in your life that cannot be reduced to ashes? That's the stuff that lasts. What do you have in your life that needs to be pruned so that you can stay more connected with God and with your fellow branches? What is the dead weight for in our calendars, for example? What is under-functioning in our calendars that if we just got it out of the way, we could be more Christ-centered? What is overproducing that if we gave it away, we could be more Christ-centered? It works that way. Along comes Jesus and says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me. Connect with me. Stay connected with one another, and together we will bear much fruit. From what source do you draw your nourishment? To what vine do you feel connected? We all have things in our lives that need to be pruned. 
to bear the most fruit for the kingdom of God. I think what pruning reveals when we get away the stuff that we don't need as a vineyard of Christ's, I think it reveals the need for community. I think it reveals that we need God more than we realize and we need one another more than we realize. I learned this several years ago um, when I was in drug court as a chaplain. I was in drug court as a chaplain. I volunteered my time, my Friday, my, my Sabbath occasionally to sit in a, in a court, in the back of the court, and periodically to pray with someone who needs prayer. And, and mostly I just sat and listened to people's stories. And, and there's two sides to, to the court, or there was in this one. And, and on one side of, of the court is where you wait to go before the judge to tell your story and to get the results of the week. And the other side is if you have already flunked your test and you violated parole in some kind of way. And so this was my second or third time doing that, and I recognized faces from previous visits, and some of the faces, they looked really hollowed and, and tired, and others were more scared and more strung out than I recalled. And it's a hard place to do ministry, drug court, but it's a place which provides clarity between the times in our lives when we decide to abide in something else other than a source of divine power and a community of faith. It shows very clearly what happens when, when we disconnect from our source of life, from Christ, from His church, from the people sitting around you. I saw Andrew. I'd, I'd seen him the last time. He was a handsome young man. He had a lot of promise obviously from a wealthy family, very educated, articulate, well-mannered, the kind of guy that you would expect in a youth group or to walk up and knock on the door and ask your daughter out on a date, but he's in drug court, and I remember his story, and I'd, I know he had heard the same rules every day, every week, and he walked into this court for a mandatory meeting, and he stood before the judge, and he was sentenced for failing his drug test, and he started over from the very beginning of the program, it's hard to watch. Kenneth's girlfriend, Lisa, walked over to where I was sitting, and she began writing her name on, on one of the prayer cards, and she was about to drop it into the envelope and said, are you, are you taking prayer requests? I said, I absolutely am. And I said, is your name Lisa, the name on the card? She confirmed that it was, and I said, um, I asked if I could pray for her. And then I said, how, how can I pray for you? She said, the house note's due, the car note is due, the bills are piling up, here we are in another day, and we're trying to get out of this cycle, and, and he's got to be here. And I said, are you in the program? And, and she said, no, he is. Well, I'd noticed Kenneth, he kept stepping out to have a smoke break. And so we stepped outside of the court, and I had a, a prayer with them, and I reminded them that God is with them, and they're never alone. And Kenneth stood before the judge, and, and he didn't pass his drug test either, and he had a, something else going on, and they put him in handcuffs and in shackles on his ankles, and he spent some time in jail. And here's Lisa trying to pick up the pieces of life, and the last thing she said is, I wish we could find a church. I wish we had community. I said, yeah. I can help with that. That routine happens several times. You run a sequence of guilties and not guilties, and you hear their stories, and they come and go, and somehow they become a part of your story, and they remember you when, when they see you out at 
the Piggly Wiggly. Hey, Pastor. Reminds me of something Dr. King said. We're caught up in a network of mutuality tied to that single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one, it affects us, affects us all, right? I remember the story of, of one mom who was standing there holding a three-month-old daughter. And I dared not ask what was going on with the child. Her breathing sounded like it could be her last, but the assumption was the mom had been using while she was pregnant, but she was getting clean. She has something for which to live now. She came up to me and she said, Pastor, I found a church. They took me in and they took my child and they made us their own. Kind of reminds me of the vows we just made to Gus. Congregation said, we're not going to let Katie and Perry go at this alone. We're going to be your community. We're going to stay connected. There's all sorts of things in which we can abide that we think are going to bring us nourishment and bring us life, but they're actually draining us of life. There's really, when we peel back all the layers and we do all the pruning, there's really just one source of life, isn't there? It's a life of faith with God and with the people of God. I learned in that sequence of events that, that no one will do the pruning for us and that very few people care enough to tell us we need to do the pruning in our life. Those who do, keep them close to you. We evaluate our lives, our, decide what needs to come out of the way so that we can be part of the vineyard. We need to cut away the dead branches of regret and guilt and resentment and anger. We cut away the words of gossip so that we can start saying kind things and build one another up. We cut away the branches of control and we begin releasing ourselves to God and, and to one another. We cut away the, the dead branches and the heavy branches that weigh down the vineyard. So that we can be fruit bearing branches. I read a, a little commentary on this that said if a branch touches the ground, did you know this? That the bacteria will begin decaying the branch. And that vine growers, vine dressers have to spend exhaustive amounts of time picking up heavy branches off the ground. Branches are not meant to be on the ground. And they, the best ones will, will dust off the bottom and they'll wash off and rinse off the leaves. And then they do something that is really strange and beautiful. They will tie it up to the next closest branch. Because we're not meant to be on the ground, friends. We're not meant to be disconnected, my brothers and sisters. We're meant to be tied up together to the vine, to other branches. Uh, Gail O'Day taught at Candler when I was there, and she said this about this passage. She said, in a vine, branches are almost indistinguishable from one another. No branch sticks out among the others in a vineyard because there's anonymity. All the branches are working toward the same goal. Don't you love that? Not a single branch is more important than the one 
with which it is so intertwined. Not a single branch is more important than the one with which it is intertwined. Life gets that way sometimes, doesn't it? We get, we get tangled up by, with the wrong branches of stress and, and worry and materialism and full calendars, and we try to become self-sustaining branches, and we get crossed up. We get crossed up with friends and family and neighbors. So quickly we forget that we are a Christian community. whose purpose is to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. We forget that we do not belong on the ground. We forget that we are not perfect branches, but we are connected to other branches. Here's an object lesson for you. Look up. Look at the gold railing up top. You might have seen it in, upon arriving here in the narthex. You, you see it here too, around this historic pulpit. In the casework, it's integrated. It's this text. The vine and the branches. I was praying through all of the pews this week where you're sitting, and I looked up, and I thought, how is it in the 1920s that our forebears said the dominant image in this historic sanctuary is going to be from John 15? I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected to God, stay connected to one another. We're all part of the same vine. Abiding in Christ in a God we can know means that no matter how tangled or ensnared life becomes, we're still part of a, a greater community who has, who has our back, works alongside us to help us be the best fruit-bearing Christians we can be and we reciprocate that because we care more about them than we do our own self. Abiding in Christ means that, yes, there will be unfruitful moments. There are weeds that will try to choke us out and cut us off from one another. There are some branches that need more nourishment than others. There are branches that need to be pruned for over and under producing. There are thorny days. There are rocky ways. But by staying connected to the vine, to the branches seated around you, we grow together and we heal together. Our source of life comes from the vine. The sap that comes through that main stalk is called grace. It's not going to be long after Jesus teaches this lesson to the disciples. That in that garden, just a few moments before he's betrayed, he's going to pray one of the most powerful prayers you could ever read. Go to John chapter 17. He's going to look up to heaven and he's going to say of his disciples and all the disciples who come after him, Lord, let them be one. I like to take the words of Jesus seriously. Lord, let us be one in you.
and one with one another. Somehow we are all bound together with one another in this great source of nourishment from Christ. We're this beautiful body of imperfect and tangled up branches through whom God has for some reason chosen to work. God has chosen to love and to redeem this world through a clustered bunch of branches. How about that? That's you and me. So be a branch. Love the branch that that you are. Love the branch with whom you are connected. Reach out to the branch from whom you are disconnected. We need one another's support right now. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Stay connected to one another. And you'll bear amazing fruit. Do you believe it? I do.